one strike from victory. Two outs. And here's what you pay to see the best ever. Baronta jumps on this pitch deep left field. What's going on, Birdland? Steven here for the Final Strike Podcast brought to you by the Baltimore Battery. Uh, We're going to kick things off on episode 12 today, Uh, so we're steaming and rolling along. Uh, We're going to open up tonight talking about the Orioles' loss last night to the Brewers. Uh, This was not a good game overall. Um, My concern, you know, I know there's uh, various areas we can bring up, but... You lose four to three to a team who is in the lower half of the league in run differential, um, and the Orioles are uh, with a plus twenty-one run differential. Um, the Brewers going in were four and twenty-four when scoring th- four runs or less, or less than four runs, um, and we had them right where we wanted them. Unfortunately, you know, missed opportunities once again come into play. Um, Yenier Cano. Um, Unusual situation, two balks, one hit, gave up an earned run. Um, his average ERA is now his ERA is now over one. He's at 1.11. Um, it's only a second blown save, so, you know, nothing to panic about. But you look at the big picture of all this. We had our starter struggle through the first inning. He threw 30 of his 96 pitches in the first inning. It's only able to get five innings, and that's a big thing, especially in a game like this where Gibson can help slow the pace down of what the other offense is doing. He did give up two runs, but five hits, seven strikeouts, only walked two. He still has an ERA under four. Um, he put us in prime position to actually win this game. So I can't fault Gibson outside of the first inning. He struggled, but I can't fault him for – his performance because he, he still put forth a strong performance even after struggling. Um, Mike Bauman came in, good inning. Uh, Danny Coulom came in, you know, two-thirds of an inning, did have a walk and a hit, but he was able to get a strikeout and get out of the inning unscathed. Yenier Cano, like I said, you know, he went one and a third. Um, I, I still know people griping about him going, you know, that extra – third of an inning or pitching more than one inning. But in the situation that was at hand, once Danny Coulomb walked um, Rowdy Torres, going to Yenier Cano in that situation was the right move. Um, unfortunately, they were running all over us at that point anyway. Danny Coulomb's lined up is so compact, it gives the ability for these runners to get that lead. And if he's not checking them, that high leg kick he has is going to give them an extra two to three steps when they start off. So, you know, a lot of people are asking, where's this arm that Adley Rushman has? It's not so much on Adley as it is the relievers and the pitcher not holding in. Um, there was one one of the stolen bases last night where Adley threw a perfect strike, bounced right into Mateo, and I still – I've looked at the replay. I see the guy skirted in under the tag, but I still don't understand. The ball got there a good two, three steps before the guy stealing the base. And Mateo just – I don't know – even the, the tag, it looked lackluster. I'm not sure. And I'm going to get into Mateo here in a little bit because it's 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 another topic we need to discuss. Um, Bautista was phenomenal. I think it's the best I've seen Bautista pitch all year. He came in. He was pounding 99 up to 102 miles an hour, three strikeouts. He looked phenomenal. 
in that situation, I really wish we had had the lead because the game would have ended there. Um, Austin Voth, I think everybody knows how I feel about him. I've said it so many times through the episodes. I'm not a fan of his. He didn't pitch horribly, but he also didn't put us in a position to get out of the inning. Um, you know, the walk and then the hit, it just – it compounds itself and you already have a runner on second base. You know, you just, you're, you, you put yourself in these situations. The same thing with Yenier Cano. You walk the lead off guy and he comes around the scores. It's going to bite you in the ass more times than it's not. And Ryan Ripken said it best in a tweet yesterday that, you know, walking the first batter doesn't always come back to haunt you, but in games like yesterday, it did. And it was a big haunt. So, you know, those are things we got to we gotta work on things. I mean, our pitchers did strike out 16 batters. But on the same sense, they also walked seven batters. So, in a sense, the way I see this is you took 5.1 innings of offense away from them, but then you turn around and you gave them 2.1 innings back. So, essentially, you just took three innings of offense away. Then you add in the hits, which is eight hits. So, you know, you're giving them extra outs at that point. And that's where walks come back and kill you. It's the same thing as errors. You give an extra, you give them the extra out, you put yourself in that situation. Um, going to the offense, I don't know what's going on with the offense. We had eight hits, which most people would be happy with their offense getting eight hits. The problem is when you look at it, we were one for seven with runners in scoring position. One for seven. Santander, Hicks and Lester were all in scoring position with two outs. We didn't capitalize. Hicks, who, you know, like I said, let's wait and see how he performs before we start making any judgments on him. He was coming into the series five for 11, hit his first home run last night for the Orioles. I mean, he's six for 15 over his last seven games. He's batting 400, has a 500 OB on base percentage and a 733 slugging percentage. He's walked three times versus two strikeouts. He has three RBIs, six hits, and 15 at-bats, and he scored five runs. Guy's been a nice addition. Is he going to last? Is he going to maintain? I don't know. But once again, like I said when we first discussed him, he's out of the lights of New York, so it makes a big difference. That pressure on his shoulders doesn't exist here, where he can just come in, be a veteran, help the younger guys, and have fun. And that's what our team is about. Our team is about having fun. But I'm sorry. If your offense is striking out 16 times, we've got issues. And I know it was a 10-inning game. So, you know, that's still. Take the one inning away. That's, you know, 13 strikeouts in a nine-inning game. You know, you've got to be concerned. And the reason I'm concerned about it is because we're a team that is in the tops in the league, top five in the league in the amount of walks as a team. We had one walk yesterday. We struck out 16 times, had one walk and eight hits. And when you go over and you look at the Brewers lines, they struck out 16 times, but they had seven walks. They also had eight hits. All right. So, you know, and what's even worse, the one walk we had was an intentional walk to Adley Rutschman. So our batters didn't work anything. We have Mateo 0 for 4, two strikeouts. Urias 0 for 4, four strikeouts. Great golden Sombrero there, buddy. Ryan Mountcastle, 0 for 4, two strikeouts. Anthony Santander, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. And then, because we replaced Santander in the eighth inning for with McKenna for a defensive replacement, you end up having Josh Lester come up 
who has a total of eight career at-bats, five from last year, three from this year, eight career at-bats. With the game on the line, our final out, he's the guy you have to send up because, unfortunately, at that time, Gunnar Henderson, we don't know if he was ready to play or not. You know, McKenna was already used. McCann's not doing much. And you don't have Bobber anymore. So, unfortunately, in this situation, we're stuck. And I'm still trying to figure out nothing against Lester in the least bit. But why in the hell is Josh Lester and Ryan O'Hearn up? And yet you send Taryn Vavra down, who can play second, third, outfield, some first base in a pinch if needed, and was the emergency catcher on top of that. But then you bring up another backup first baseman. So we have Ryan O'Hearn and Josh Lester, who both back up first baseman. One plays outfield, one plays third base. And yet, the middle of our infield, where we're having some struggles. I mean, Frazier was two for five. He's got a 699 OPS, but he's only batting 240. Mateo, he has a 650 OPS. He was 0 for four. He's batting 228. And, and that leads me into the next thing. What are we doing? And I, I know I've preached and I've said it, and I still believe it. You got to trust in Mike Elias and what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But at the same time, I've got a question. When Danny Coulomb went on bereavement, we brought up another infielder. So then he comes back, we reinstate him, we send Taron Vavra down, but keep Josh Lester up, who, like I said, unfortunately, he is tearing up minor league pitching. Do not get me wrong, he has 13 home runs. He's, he's smacking the ball around pretty well. But the guy has eight career, now nine career at-bats as a professional over the course of two years. Two games last year with the Tigers, and now two games this year. One was a start, one he came in as a pinch hitter. And, you know, he is starting tonight as a DH for the Orioles. So what am I missing here? Because, unfortunately, with Mateo, as much as I love Mateo, I really do. I love his personality. I love, you know, the electricity he brings on the field defensively. And I love how he can change a game just by getting on base. He gets on base, he's in a pitcher's head, and you can always see it. But I'm sorry, I'm looking over his last 7, 15, and 30 games. Over his last seven games, he has seven strikeouts and 24 at-bats. He's batting 208. His on-base percentage, 208. It gets better. His last 15 games, has 15 strikeouts and 48 at-bats for a 167 average with a 200 on-base percentage. And if you're cringing at that, over his last 30 games, he has 99 at-bats with 31 strikeouts. It's almost a third of his at-bats are ending in a strikeout. On top of that, he has four walks. He's batting 141 over his last 30 games. His on-base percentage is 173. He's not even getting on base 20% of the time. And he has a slugging percentage of 172. How do you sit there and be an everyday shortstop with an OPS of 350 or 345 and expect to be relevant to a team? I like Mateo. Do not get me wrong on this, but at what point... 
do we go back to accountability? And I bring this up again because I said it with Grayson Rodriguez. If you're holding Grayson Rodriguez to a standard that you want these players to perform at, what is going on that we have players, Austin Voth, CNL Perez, Jorge Mateo, still wangling around on this team when we have players like Joey Ortiz, who has proven he's capable of playing in the majors. He's done fairly well for his short time up. He played strong defense. He can play second, short, third base. And I guarantee in a pinch, he could probably fill in at first base. Is sitting there in the minors, and yet we're bringing up Josh Lester when we have Ryan O'Hearn up. So we have two backup first basemen. And yet we have nobody to back up second, short, and third because we're going to stick with Frazier, Mateo, and Henderson come hell or high water. I'm sorry. At this point, there is a flag that has to be questioned because I'd like to know what Elias is looking at in the analytics department to make this decision. And which leads me into this. I I sit there and I'm going to look at... Jorge Mateo, okay? And one of the things that I'm talking about with Jorge Mateo is how abysmal he has been. And when I say abysmal, like I said, he's not getting on base even at 20% of the time. That's where we have to have concern because at 20% of the time, at least you're getting on base. It's less than 20%, you might as well just sit in the dugout and flip a coin and hope it lands your way because you're not going to do what you're expected to do if you can't get on base. And I'm sorry, with the speed he has, there is no reason that this guy has not learned how to bunt. There is no reason that this guy has not learned how to beat out an infield hit and turn this into something that works in our favor. And, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm looking at Mateo, and this is where I can see some of the analytics come into play when it comes to Colton Kowser and Jordan Westberg. Everybody's like, bring them up, bring them up. You know, they deserve their chance. They deserve their chance. First off, let's get into it. Colton Kowser has less than 250 at-bats in AAA. He's got 249 total. He didn't play last night because they canceled the game due to the, the smog in the air from the fires up north, okay? But what people aren't looking at is in those in his career, Kowser is striking out at 25% of the at-bats he's taking, one quarter of the at-bats, okay? You're complaining about Mateo, who struck out last year 27% of his at-bats. This year, he's actually down to uh, 23% of his at-bats he's striking out, so... Are we going to sit there and trade that for somebody who's striking out more in their at-bats? All right. He's walking at a 16% clip, which is definitely far and above what Mateo does. Mateo is usually around 5%. This year, he's actually closer to 7%. So he's up a little bit. Okay. Up a little bit. I will give him that. But then you go to Westberg. Jordan Westbrook striking out at 24% of his at-bats. So he's actually striking out less in his at-bats over his career than Colton Kowser is. Bet you didn't know that. And that's a shock that a lot of people are I can see it now. People are going to go, stat guru me. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. I verified it by looking at the plate of appearances versus the amount of times they strike out versus the plate versus walks and strikeouts. So it's I didn't just make these numbers up. I went and did the math and worked them out and looked at it to make sure. 
All right, Westberg is walking at 11% clip. So he's walking less than Kowser is and striking out less than Kowser is. So what do we get here? Kowser's striking out more, but he's walking more. Okay, so that'll balance itself out. But if you got guys who are already striking out 20 plus percent of the time in triple A, all right, and this is where pitchers are refining their pitching. Like I said with Kyle Stowers, you can sit back and wait on the fastball. Doesn't mean that's going to translate into success in the majors. Generally, you look for a minimum of a 10 to 20% drop off of production as you go up each level. There are special people who don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it always happens, but for the most part, look at what Kyle Stowers went through. Look what Gunnar Henderson's going through. The solution is not to bring up people doing the same thing that Jorge Mateo is already doing. You're basically just replacing a square peg with a round peg just to make it fit in a hole. Doesn't mean that it's going to make the puzzle work. Okay. Now, on the flip side of this, we have Joey Ortiz, who is a defensive wizard. One of the reasons he was drafted, who has become an offensive force on top of the defensive magic that he does. He's only striking out at a 17% clip over his career. So he's striking out far less than Kowser and Westberg. He's walking at a 10% clip. Okay, so a little bit less than Westberg, uh, a few more less than Kowser. But I'm sorry, if a guy's striking out 7% minimum less than the guys that you're all hoping to promote and walking around about the same time, who plays good defense on top of that, why is nobody calling for Joey Ortiz to be starting? Me personally, I think it's at this time. Mateo needs to be demoted. Let Joey Ortiz come up and start. And I know everybody's going to say, but move Gunnar Henderson over to shortstop. He can't make the throw. He can make the throw. You all have not seen enough of Gunnar Henderson if you think he can't make the throw from third base. I've seen the guy falling out of bounds in foul territory, jump throw to first base and getting out. You know, and, and now I'm watching everybody complain about Mount Castle. So, you know, it, it's it's the adventure continues around the infield. If it's not who we want, automatically we have to get rid of them. They suck. They're terrible. Adam Frazier's not doing anything wrong. Adam Frazier's playing pretty decent for us, and he plays a pretty good offense or good defense. He he walks more than he strikes out. He was the actually the only player last night who didn't strike out for the Orioles. So... You know, I don't know what the beef is with Frazier. I think it's just people want, you know, Westberg up because Westberg's Westberg. But uh, there's nothing wrong with the way Adam Frazier's been playing. You know, the guy's solid 240 average. It's not great, but it's not horrible. You know, he's, he's getting on base this year at a clip of 303. So he's getting on base 30% of his at-bats. We have quite a few people in the lineup not doing that, and yet you people are still complaining. He's got 22 strikeouts to 17 walks. 22 strikeouts in 59 games. 22 strikeouts in 59 games. He struck out less than half the amount of time or less the amount of games he's half the games he's played. And if you want a better perspective on that, he struck out 22 times. In a total of 213 plate appearances. Anybody want to guess what that clip is? Here, I'll tell you. 
it comes out to he's striking out less than 10% of his at-bats. Getting on base at 30% of his at-bats. But Frazier has to go. Come on. Realistically, people, that's not the solution. Frazier's playing pretty well for us. You know, and then I'm going to hear, well, his defense is not all that. His defense is not all that. Do you know how many errors Frazier has this year? Two. Is two errors. That's it. So, I, I, I don't know what everybody's beef is with Frazier, but 180 chances to have two errors, I, I'll take that any day. So, I, I don't know what the beef is with Frazier, but what I think needs to happen right now is I think we need to send Lester down. That would be the ideal solution because Ryan O'Hearn's playing well. He's doing well in the role he's at. I don't expect him to start very much. I expect him to be a backup. That's what he's here for. Send him down. Bring up Joey Ortiz. Put Joey Ortiz in a shortstop. Let Jorge Mateo become the utility infielder. Um, And what I mean by that is he can fill in a shortstop and second base and play some outfield. So on a pinch, we have another outfielder. You let Urias go ahead and also help out at second base, fill in at third base as needed. And that's how it needs to be handled. Um, Mateo needs to work with the hitting coaches. He, he really needs to get to it. I don't know what, what's changed from the first month of the season to now, but looking at it, he's pressing. The guy can't even bunt, and with his speed not being able to bunt is a huge problem. So – that's that's what I think needs to happen. Am I right on it? I don't know. It's a guess. It's I, I'm not the GM, and that's the other thing we need to realize. Mike Elias has a blueprint. He's had this blueprint, used this blueprint, was part of the building of the Astros. So we see the success the Astros have had, and that's the blueprint he's following. So regardless of what we as fans want to say, Regardless of what we as the armchair GMs want done, Elias doesn't care. Elias has his own plan, his own blueprint, and he's going to follow what he wants. We can sit here, gripe, moan, cry, and everything else under the sun. But at the end of the day, we're 37 and 23, 14 games over 500, with the third rest record in baseball. One of the best teams on the road in baseball, and people still aren't happy. And I'm sorry, but I didn't see this much upset when we were in 2018 losing four, winning 47 games for the entire year. So we're still in second place, you know, in the AL East. We have the third best record in the AL. And we actually have the third best record in all of baseball. So we just got to chill, enjoy it. You know, yeah, you can have your gripes and your beefs. I got mine, too. Everybody knows I despise Austin both. But seriously, enjoy it. Look at the fun and the excitement. Look at all the fun the team is having and and enjoy it. And on that, we're going to close up. I'm going to say that uh, tomorrow night I am uh, going to be interviewed by Ash from ASPN. Um, you might want to check out his podcast. Great kid. Great gumption and motivation. He's doing a wonderful job. He's got a lot of support and people backing him. Um, so I want you all to give 
give them a listen to. Also, uh, check out Ryan Ripkin and or Rip and Rock. Um, check out their podcast. It's great. Uh, Ryan Ripkin, congratulations on uh, your graduation from college this weekend. Kudos to you. Um, I want to thank the Baltimore Battery for giving me this platform um, to work on. Um, if you get a chance, follow me on Twitter at SRJ Heckman, H-E-C-K-M-A-N. Same tag on Instagram and on uh, TikTok. Don't forget to follow the Baltimore Battery, which TikTok and Twitter is the Be More Battery. Um, so you get a lot more content that way. You can also follow the Baltimore Battery at thebaltimorebattery.com. Check out all the wonderful articles we have um, from various writers, including myself. Uh, we just surpassed last year's total um, in month five. So we have a lot more viewers and readers, and I appreciate that. So hopefully I get a lot of you listening to the podcast as well. But uh, be on the lookout Friday for the interview. Um, Ash, like I said, is going to interview me tomorrow night. It should be released on Friday. I hope you all enjoy. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Once again, thanks to the Baltimore Battery for giving me the platform. And I want a special thanks to my sponsors, Scooter for Rent. Um, If you're ever in the Delaware, Maryland, Eastern Shore area and you're looking for mobility products, that is handicap mobility scooters, electric or manual wheelchairs, beach wheelchairs, and uh, chairlifts, go ahead and give them a call. Tell them that Stephen from The Final Strike sent you over. You can reach them at 302 280-6203. Other than that, Birdland, I am out. Thanks for listening and peace out until next time. Thanks. A spawn is one strike from victory. Two outs. And here's what you pay to see the best ever. Marantz and a chance on this pitch. Deep left.